Hey, hello, Evan Knappen here, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. So, L2AL, that's my message today, L2AL, that stands for Living the Second Amendment Lifestyle. Now, I've thought about this for a long time, actually, and this is one of the first times that I'm, I'm sharing it publicly, but I want to share it with my listeners because I think it's something that many of us do and never put a label on it, frankly, but it's interesting because when you live the Second Amendment lifestyle, when you L2AL, there are certain things that take place in your life and how you live your life, how you guide yourself and choices that you make. So one of the basics right out of the box has to do with businesses that you support. If you L2AL, then you try your best to avoid anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment, anti-weapon businesses, right? And not only from a practical sense, because if you're carrying your gun you don't want to you know go into these places that somehow hate you but even more than that it's about giving them your business and uh, a lot of these are big companies but they've taken anti-gun stands and look i know some of these anti-gun companies it's impossible virtually to live without them but i really try and if i ever have a choice between a company that is anti-gun and has done anti-gun things versus a company that has, you know, at, at least remained neutral if, and more importantly, they're pro-gun and have done great things and supported us, then those are the companies when I'm L2AL that I purposely support and other ones that I purposely avoid. And this extends to even, you know, magazines, newspapers, authors of certain books, movies. When there's anti-gun propaganda in a movie, when it's loaded with some anti-gun message, when, when the company itself is just blatantly anti-gun or the author is out to get our gun rights... Uh, taken away I try to avoid them I really do like you know on the you know watching TV and we have a choice of movies and there's a, a Stephen King movie I refuse to have anything to do with Stephen King he's a horrible anti-gun and, and look some of his stories you know I can appreciate I understand you know and some great movies are made but you know what man I'm L2A L on it. I just not I'm gonna not I'm not gonna give him my time, my money, or in any way try to benefit this person. And it's just a personal individual choice. I see it in other businesses and entertainment that we fr frequent. You know, and it's really bad because on social media, you know, it's really trying to have a voice, yet a lot of these companies are so much against us 
same with banking. You know, these banks that, are, that, that went along with Operation Choke Point, trying to stop gun businesses, even financial services of places that won't allow guns to be bought and sold, even though it's a legitimate transaction, they won't do the banking or credit card or financial transactions. I try to avoid them. You know, there's many celebrities that I just won't have anything to do with, singers of songs that are just horrible, lefty, anti-gun folks that I don't even want to hear, listen to, or in any way give any of my time attention. I bet a lot of you yourself think along these lines, maybe not formally, maybe not even consciously, but, you know, something hits you, you say, oh, this guy was a real anti-gun jerk, and I'm not interested in this person or their product or their entertainment, whatever that may be. And it becomes a lifestyle part of how we live and what we do. So we con- I consciously try my best not to participate. And that's just on that one front, because L2AL is, is more than that. It also has to do with a mindset. It's a mindset about defending yourself, about not being a victim, about being aware of your circumstances, about protecting yourself, about protecting your family, of not having a reliance completely on others and in any way supporting a unilateral personal disarmament or anybody else being disarmed who's otherwise an honest citizen. You know, and having it, that attitude is part of the L2AL as well. Being familiar with firearms, not just the guns themselves, but knowing and appreciating the rich heritage and history of owning firearms and other weapons for that matter, of appreciating what our Second Amendment stands for, and how many times through history it's been shown to be so important to have that love for our rights. That's part of that L2AL as well, having that love, that dedication. You know what else? Condemning, condemning anti-gun bigots and calling them out, whether it's in a small setting because you're at a party and somebody says some anti-gun BS, just don't politely let silence be acceptance Speak up. I don't mean get in a fist fight with the person, but challenge their stupid statement. Do it in a nice way. Do it with a goal, even if you know you can't convince them, but others around will hear and see, hey, wait a minute. There are people that will stand up for the other side. There are people who believe in the rights and will stand up for them and not let silence be the ability for these anti-gun bigots that just have an anti-gun bias to get away with what they're saying and doing. 
You've got to stand up and speak out. Look, the very show that we're on now, Gun Lawyer, is part of my personal L2AL. I want to get the word out. I want to stand up for it. I want to live it. And so can you. And these are the things that we do. You know what else is important? And this may sound funny, but actually going out and doing some shooting. I mean, how many times, you know, we have our guns. We love that we do have them. But actually, you need to take the time and go to the range. You need to take the time and clean your guns. You need to take your time and use them and train with them so that you can L2AL and be ready and trained and careful and know safety. And what works right into that? Well, educating others. That's right. Even on a one-on-one -on -one basis, whether it's just with your kids or your spouse or friends at work, whatever. Take people, people who maybe are neutral or are curious about firearms and the two-way lifestyle but have never experienced it, and give them a chance. Take them to the range. Really. Bring an easy shooting gun. Don't bring your, you know, high recoil impulse firearm. You know, your 500 Smith or what? No. Bring a nice 22. Easy shooting 22. Take this person who's never fired a gun. Teach them the basics, make sure they have the safety understanding, and introduce them to what our passion and what our love is by actually experiencing the thrill and the fun and just the pure enjoyment of exercising a Second Amendment right. So not only do you need to do this for yourself, and you need to do it for others, and it makes a difference because those are the people that you influence and they influence others, and this is how you get the word out. This is what protects our rights. And even though you're just one person doing it on a one-on-one -on -one level, with everyone who believes in the Second Amendment doing that, it really accumulates with individual after individual who understands better what we're about, what those that every day live L2AL. It really does. And it extends even to travel. I mean, there are specifically states that I try to avoid. And I tell folks, you know, if you can avoid driving through New Jersey and you have guns, do it. Do it. And other bad states that don't respect Second Amendment, why would you give these states your business? Why would you give them the toll monies, the gas monies, the taxes that come from it. Why do that when all they do is pursue an anti-gun agenda, when you have the ability to avoid it? That, too, is part of the Second Amendment lifestyle, avoiding those states. You know what else is important? Voting. You need to vote for the Second Amendment. You need to find out if the candidates support our Second Amendment rights or do not. I'm sure many of you do that routinely. But that's part of the lifestyle. 
that we're standing vigilant and we're supporting those in politics that stand for what we believe in. You got to do it. Your vote counts. It matters. And this, too, is, is part of it. So when you take a look at how you live and if you have this love of firearms and the Second Amendment, there's just a great thing about living the Second Amendment lifestyle. You have a certain focus, a purpose, and a baseline. And you see that when you weigh it against other freedoms as well and choices and things in your life, it helps guide you on a good path. Because when you appreciate your gun freedom, you appreciate other freedoms as well. And when you appreciate not being interfered with by government, you appreciate non-government interference and other things as well. And you have a point where you relate to it. And it may not even be your issues. It may not even be freedoms that you, quote, care about. But you know what? You have a better understanding about it because you care about your own. And you felt it and lived it and recognized it. So think about it, folks. Think about your own living of the Second Amendment lifestyle how you L2AL in your life and uh, something to reflect on. Look, when we come back, I have some great letters that listeners have sent and we'll talk about some fun stuff. See you in a bit. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey, welcome back. So I've gotten some great letters from listeners, and I love sharing listeners' letters. And this is uh, from Rich. And I just want to mention before we get into it, part of uh, living the Second Amendment lifestyle, like I said, is even listening to shows like Gun Lawyer. And I appreciate my listeners so much. And Make sure you subscribe. It's important that you do. And have your friends listen as well and have them subscribe. As these media giants try to shut us down and 
You know, I'm in the Facebook gulag right now for political speech, right? Can't even post. And even with that, you know, you're still trying to use the tools that are out there, even though they're so heavily guarded and algorithmed and shadow banned and everything else and stopping free speech left and right. This is the place where we can get past that. And uh, that's why I do it. So anyway, Rich writes the following, and he says, uh, regarding California gun store closures and Breyer's retiring effect on the New York rifle and pistol case, would love to hear your thoughts on whether this would be an idea for some New Jersey gun stores or rangers to go after. How do you feel about Breyer? Retiring will affect the New York State rifle and pistol case coming up. Obviously dependent on when and who replaces them, but still love to hear your thoughts. So Rich is talking about with the California stores that the uh, pandemic closures was uh, is unconstitutional to close the gun stores. And they, of course, use the excuse of the uh, pandemic to close gun stores and close them unreasonably when they were allowing other stores to uh, operate, especially when gun stores are the exercise of our actual constitutional rights in action. And to close those but to not close uh, and to allow to remain open other stores that are not based and founded in a constitutional right is just outrageous. But I think the more, the more of a uh, question here is, what does this mean about and the effect of Breyer, Chief, uh, not Chief, uh, Justice Breyer? He's not the Chief Justice; that's Roberts, but of Justice Breyer's retiring, and Justice Breyer is uh, not a pro-gun judge; he's not a pro-Second Amendment judge. And he's uh, basically uh, a judge of the left. And the doctrines that he espouses seem to mirror quite well what the left uh, stands for. So his retirement during an administration that is Democrat and with essentially the Senate, though very, very close, able to get a 50 vote and a tiebreaker by the Democrats to getting a new judge appointed, what we're going to see is, you know, in a worst-case scenario, is a left-wing anti-gun judge replaced by another left-wing anti-gun judge. And so it's really not significant in and of itself as far as the vote count on the court is concerned. I mean, it's always significant that a new justice is going to be serving, but not in terms of the political balance of the Supreme Court. The political balance will remain the same. And you see, this is where President Trump was able to score the trifecta, right? He got three Supreme Court judges on the bench that were conservative. And most important and astounding was the replacement of a very left judge, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, 
with a conservative justice, right? And by doing that, the balance was actually affected, the political balance, mm -hmm. in the favor of gun rights. So uh, we are now positioned for a decision on the New York State Rifle and Pistol Club carry case, and that carry case is going to determine whether the important issue of the application of the Second Amendment outside the home. And Breyer is apparently going to finish his term, and we should see a decision before the end of this term. So Breyer, I think, is still going to be part of this decision. And even if he wasn't, the political balance isn't affected. And I still believe we have a majority that actually read the Constitution and understand the Second Amendment and is going to rule accordingly. Now, to what degree that remains you know, to be seen, I'm confident that we're going to win, but it's a question of how much and to what degree. But hopefully, at a minimum, the standards that are arbitrary, that are subjective, that are placed into gun licensing, such as New Jersey's so-called justifiable need, other states that have good cause or proper cause or any of these things that are not objective criteria and are basically used as a tool to deny the exercise of our rights. Seeing those put finally in the trash can of history, and I expect we will see that, that we will see these anti-gun, anti-carry, anti-self-defense laws that have been abused by putting these conditional requirements into the ability to exercise our rights as being declared unconstitutional and void by the Supreme Court. This will have great impact, of course, across the board to other states. And once the Supreme Court uh, rules on this, I'm sure we'll see more cases building because the whole process is a process of incremental gains. When we're, it's highly unlikely we're ever going to see some clean sweep of a case that completely 100% uh, wipes out uh, all gun laws as we know it that intrude on our rights. Now, you're going to see it incrementally, and it's the same way that we lost our rights over time incrementally. Is the same way that we have to gain them back. And each case that is a win for us is another step forward. And I'm confident we're going to go forward and hopefully we'll go forward to a large degree. And Breyer's retirement really, I don't think, impacts the current gun case that is before the United States Supreme Court. Now, there's other impacts, though, that might be there from Breyer retiring. And it has to do with who will be taking his place from a political perspective. Because there is 
speculation, again, nothing confirmed, just speculation, things tossed about, that the replacement for Justice Breyer might, in fact, be Kamala Harris. So the vice president, who's currently vice president, could then be made a Supreme Court justice, which would be you know, quite an honor, and it's definitely not a step down from being vice president. And that would allow the Democrats, if you will, to get rid of Camilla Harris from the vice presidency and then open up a vice presidential position in which uh, President Biden can pick his new VP to fill the slot. Now, this has been done before in history when Spiro Agnew uh, resigned from being vice president due to his alleged tax issues. Nixon was able to appoint a new vice president to fill his place. There was no election. and They simply put in place uh, Ford, Gerald Ford, as his vice president. And then when Nixon resigned, Ford became president, and then Ford could appoint his own new vice president. So here we have a situation where if uh, Camilla Harris were to become Supreme Court justice, Biden can then appoint the new vice president. And the speculation is that he would then appoint Hillary Clinton as his vice president. And then, in a little bit, when Biden's finished a little more than two years of his term, he then can uh, resign from the presidency due to mental health issues that he obviously has, or whatever reason. And by him getting out at that stage, Hillary would now become president of the United States in the same way Ford became president of the United States when Nixon left. And being that there's less than two years of Biden's term, she'd be able to complete that and it wouldn't count as one term for her. So she would then be eligible to run for two more presidential terms of four years each on top of the less than two years that she had in the Biden chair, if you will, and then she will get to appoint her vice president as president to fill the vice president's seat, and the speculation there is that she'll pick Michelle Obama. So that, in effect, by putting Camilla Harris in the uh, Supreme Court, Hillary can become vice president, Biden gets out, Hillary's president, Hillary can appoint... Michelle Obama, and then you have the ticket in 2024 of a Clinton-Obama ticket running in 2024 who's had a little bit less than two years of actually being in office given the advantage of being an incumbent. Now, there is quite a political uh, uh, plan laid out there. Uh, I have... No cooperation whatsoever for anything that I just told you. It's just pure speculation and fun. But it is entirely possible, and it's something to 
think about if you need a nightmare scenario for some reason. But there you go. So this is up for grabs, and that's the kind of impact that can happen politically when a Supreme Court justice is retiring. Hey, I just want to tell you, folks, this is Evan Knappen, and I want to remind you to L2AL and that gun laws, they don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.